Hello, and welcome to the Divorced Dadvocate, Divorce Support for Dads, where we help dads create a healthy and less traumatic divorce. My name is Jude Sandoval, and I'm your host. I created this podcast in the Divorce Advocate community as a result of my own high-conflict divorce, and because you as a dad deserve all the resources necessary to thrive through this challenging time. I encourage you to check out our website at thedivorcedadvocate.com, where there are resources that correspond to this episode, as well as free access to our membership community, where you will find live meetings, free workshops and courses, private discussion groups, and more. And now on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the show. I am so pleased that you are here today and we are going to be discussing gender bias in the family law courts. This is a hugely important topic. You know, it's uh, it's one that I haven't delved too much into uh, other than uh, alluding to some of the bias that is uh, in court and being aware that there is a bias. But uh, you're going to hear a little bit of a different uh, tone uh, coming from this show here in the future. I just had uh, a poor experience with a child and family investigation, and uh, I feel that it is uh, is time that uh, we start taking uh, this uh, this bias and uh, as well as the uh, the de-emphasis or really even um, just a derogatory way in which uh, dads have been treated, uh, not only in family law court, but in general in uh, society. Uh, to uh, to the forefront and take this battle uh, out loud uh, with more and more people. So um, you're gonna you're, we're gonna be uh, over the next weeks or maybe even months or who knows how long uh, addressing this issue and talking more about it. So um, pay attention to this. It is something to to be aware of, uh, and it shows up in many different areas of uh, of the the legal battle that uh, that you're going to uh, if you're not already into. You're going to be experiencing. But before we get into it, let me just uh, welcome some new folks to the Divorce Advocate community. Ken, Kristen, Steve, Bill, Myron, Brent, Kevin, Michael, welcome to the community. If you're not part of the Divorce Advocate community, go to our website at thedivorcedadvocate.com and check it out. We have all kinds of resources there uh, just on the website, uh, and for free, some blogs, as well as the free podcast that you're listening to, uh, as well as, uh, if you become a member that, uh, gives you the opportunity for some group meetings, individual coaching, uh, the, uh, app as well. And so check that out. Uh, help me help you really. I'm uh, going to be asking a little bit more here in the future too, to, uh, if you've enjoyed, uh, this show, if you found some value in what you're hearing, if you've listened to more than one episode, Help some of the other guys out. We do uh, we do multiple different things uh, on the mem- and the membership site. But we also have a nonprofit as well that helps uh, helps men in need of uh, legal fees and uh, other uh, different facets that are going to help them get through their divorce. And I can tell you, gentlemen, we have literally saved uh, fathers from not seeing their kids by uh, being able to contribute and help them out in these different particular areas. So please pay it forward um, if, you've, uh, if, if you're listening. And um, you can either do that through the membership sites. You can do that through our Patreon accounts. Uh, there's many different ways or you can contact me directly if you want to make a bigger and larger donation. We're always looking for that uh, and people that can, uh, can help out uh, other dads going through this uh, this challenge. 
So let's talk about uh, the gender bias in family law courts. Now, for those of you that are not aware of what happens, if you cannot, uh, what happens as far as custody uh, or some places call it uh, parenting time, uh, the allocation of parenting time between parents, and that is just simply splitting up the uh, time in which the children are going to spend with one parent or another parent. If you cannot come to an agreement on this, with your soon-to-be ex, then what's going to happen is you're going to go to trial. You're going to go to trial in the court system, and you're going to appear before a judge or a magistrate. You're going to state your case as to why it is you want the parenting time that you are looking for, whether that's uh, 50-50 parenting time or whether that's you're looking to have a a primary amount of uh, parenting time, whatever that might be. You're going to be making your case in front of a court. You're going to be on trial just like you see in the the TV or on the TV with trials. You're going to be cross-examined. There's going to be exhibits. There's going to be the whole shebang if you guys cannot come to an agreement. Now, the good news is, is that 90 plus percent of of uh, divorces uh, are, are agreed to out of court and do not go to trial. But I'm uh, assuming uh, based upon the experience that I've had in talking to many of you and listening to many of the listeners that if you're listening to this, you probably have uh, at least some uh, disharmony in that uh, in that uh, area in which you're not uh, seeing eye to eye on how the uh, parenting time is going to be split up. So I want to make you aware of the gender bias once you do get into this court system, whether you've hired an attorney yet or not, um, or you've filed or not, or you've appeared in front of a judge or not, you need to be aware of what is uh, is facing you here. Um, So what is uh, child custody? What is gender bias? Now, gender bias in uh, child custody cases occurs when a judge or somebody else, it could be a CFI. I just uh, mentioned the CFI that uh, that uh, the CFI investigation that uh, was just performed in our case. And it's completely uh, off base and completely biased. And so this is not just limited to the judges in uh, in the family law court. It could be a child and family investigator. It can be a therapist. It can be an attorney. It can be your attorney or it can be somebody else's attorney. The bias is rampant throughout. And it's not just, uh, it is just not uh, uh, only the judges that, uh, that are uh, biased. So it, it's a bias when uh, somebody's influenced by the parent's gender rather than the child's best interest. Now, in most areas, family law legislation mandates that the court considers the child's best interest when determining parenting arrangements. And this indicates that the court should not consider the parent's gender when determining which parents should have custody. Now, many believe that despite the legislation, there's still a maternal preference in child custody cases. Now, this isn't a belief. There's a myriad of statistics. I'm not spending time today to go through the statistics, but if you Google some of the statistics, there are an ample amount of statistics out there. It is uh, women who uh, and mothers who are the ones that uh, are primarily the custodial parents. Uh, and when there are joint, uh, when there are joint custody arrangements, the mother serves as the primary uh, custodial parent. Something ridiculous, like 90% of the time, which Bex is to say, why would that actually be happening? So just be aware that the, you know, the, the belief that um, the belief is founded on the historical stereotype that women are superior caregivers and nurturers 
to men. Now, I don't want to go really deep into uh, really deep into the the history of this, but there was the 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 nurture philosophy of mothers that until age thirteen or so, somewhere around there, that mothers were the ones that should be the primary caregivers that they had the greater influence because they were they were better and more nurturing. Now, statistics and studies have shown that this is complete crap. That there is uh, there is a benefit to um, both parents being involved at every single stage of a child's life from birth all the way through. There are things that fathers do and that fathers provide in the upbringing and the raising of children that mothers cannot do and mothers cannot uh, and, and, and things that mothers do and mothers provide in the upbringing of children that fathers cannot. Now, even though science has proven this, that we have studies after studies and uh, all of this information, the mentality, number one, and the bias has not changed. In fact, I would argue that it has become worse, and the courts have definitely not caught up on this. Um, so, um, uh, children have you know, and children have the right to have a meaningful relationship with both parents, and it's a responsibility responsibility of the parents to facilitate this relationship. And in this case, and if you're listening, it's your responsibility to fight for that opportunity to do it. You might be in a circumstance or in a case where you have your soon-to-be ex making these assertions that they should be the ones that are the primary ones. They should be, and, and that could be for a myriad of myriad, uh, a myriad of reasons. Now, the law also recognizes that both parents have equal shared parental responsibility for the children, which means that they're both responsible for making important decisions about their children's upbringing. So that's something that's also different. There is the parenting time and the decision making. Now, those are two different and two separate things that you will be uh, determining as to what those responsibilities will be when um, when you do get a divorce. Now, I highly, highly recommend at the very least that you have joint decision making uh, and that you have some sort of structure set up so that if there is a disagreement around the decision that needs to be made for the children that you are able to go to mediation or have a um, have somebody that is a parental decision maker that has some specific rights that will listen to both sides and how, and make a decision that can be binding or, or unbinding. But um, if you have somebody that's uncooperative, you might want to make that binding because if you're in the right and you are being reasonable, then more times than not, they're going to rule in your favor. So that's something also to uh, to uh, to consider. Now, while the position in law for most places, uh, and, and this is most places, I'm, I'm speaking mostly in the Western developed world, um, that, that they have this. Now, the law, while the law says that there should not be a gender bias, actual outcomes are and statistics are absolutely wrong. I did mention the the eighty percent and the and the ninety percent. So, if that was in fact true, and if the uh, the law was being meted out in the uh, in the spirit in which it was written, then those would be much more um, gender equal and have much more um, uh, gender um, gender equity involved in that. But it is not true. So, again, it beg it beckons the question as to if we know that what these uh if we know that this is happening if we have the uh the statistics that show that this is happening and we have the science that proves that it needs to be 
uh, you know, that it needs to be equal for both parents, then why is it not happen? So how does this, uh, how, how can gender bias affect your custody? First is the presumption of parental roles. Like I said, historically, there have been a presumption that mothers are better caregivers and fathers, fathers are breadwinners. This can result in a bias towards mothers in child custody, with judges assuming that children are better off with their mothers. There's also stereotypes. I mentioned that as well. Gender, gender stereotypes can also influence child custody decisions. For instance, judges may assume that fathers are less nurturing or emotionally supportive than mothers, which is fine because that can in fact be the case, but there are other things that fathers can provide structure um, discipline that mothers do not do as good of a job in. Now we're starting to hear some things, and this is a whole another podcast. I'm not going to get into specific detail that um, that a, a certain part um, segment of the population is really pushing in family law court, and this is the authoritarian um, upbringing, authoritarian way of disciplining children, and they're making, they're mincing words, and they're making fine distinctions and lines between being authoritarian and authoritative, basically making it so blurred and so difficult that a father is providing the discipline for a uh, for a child that is then authoritative and that is bad, but not author you know and, and, and not authoritarian or or I'm sorry, vice versa. It's authoritarian and not authoritative. I mean, yeah, it's so freaking ridiculous and confusing, and it's meant to do that way so that it can confuse the court and make things difficult and make look dads look bad. So there are these stereotypes, and so if a judge is making that assumption. It is not only the nurturing and emotional support that children need in their lives. They also need focus. They also need uh, discipline. They also need structure. They also need everything that you can provide them as a father and being involved in their life. So do not forget that, please, that there are things that you only you as their father can provide them in their lives. Uh, the other is cultural and religious, religious beliefs. Cultural and religious beliefs may also play a role in child custody decisions. In some cultures, it's expected that women will provide primary care, which may lead to a bias in favor of mothers. So let's talk about how to avoid uh, gender bias. The first is education and awareness. Now, this, I'm talking here about legal professionals and judges um, identifying and avoiding gender biases through education and awareness. They can become aware of their own biases and learn how to make decisions that are not influenced by gender stereotypes through training programs and workshops. That's all fine and dandy. It's not happening. Friends, we've got corporations with all kinds of bias training and uh, un implicit bias and like all this bias BS going on. I'm telling you, the courts and attorneys and the people in the cottage industries that are around them are not doing any kind of gender bias training. It is not something that's prevalent. It is not something that's out there. It's not something that everybody's stopping and saying, hey, we need to pay attention to this because dads are getting screwed and children are getting screwed up because of this. So this education and awareness falls upon you, my friend. I know it's difficult to, to, to hear, but it is implicit upon you to pay attention to this while going through this process. Be aware of it. Pay attention to it. It can be with your own attorney. It can be with somebody that's a therapist that is involved in your children's lives. All therapists are not created equal. Have the conversations about gender with the therapists that are having that are having an influence and impacting your children. Talk to them about 
masculinity, what their feelings are on to toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, etc., because they have an influence on the courts. Courts will something like 85% of the time just simply listen to the quote-unquote experts, the CFI investigators, the PRE investigators, the therapists, whomever else. So if you're not paying attention to what's going on in those sessions, that what your children are being told, what they're hearing, what they're hearing from your soon-to-be ex, what they're, what they're, what's going on with the investigations, then you are putting yourself behind the eight ball. You have got to be on top of this. Now, look, guys, I'm not doing this, and I'm not saying this to, to scare you. I'm just... I'm doing this to make you pay attention and be aware because you're getting into something if you're not already into it or haven't already experienced it and you're listening that is not structured to your benefit. So you need to make sure that you're doing all you can and paying attention to all the different possible pitfalls to have the most positive outcome that you can have. The most positive outcome that you can have is that you are involved in, uh, involved a great deal in your children's life. There are studies that show this. And you don't hear it. You're hearing it from me that they need you in their lives. Okay, what else can we do to avoid gender bias? So educate, educate yourself, educate those around you, be aware of it, and point it out when you see that it's happening. Uh, focus on the best interest of the child. Uh, legal practitioners and judges should focus on the best interest of the children when making custody decisions. This requires them to consider the child's relationship with both parents, emotional and physical needs and desires. Okay, this this is great also, except that it doesn't always happen. Oftentimes, you're going to hear uh, uh, attorneys that are going to say, hey, this is the best deal you're going to get. If you don't feel it's the best deal that you're going to get, don't settle for it because they don't always know that it's going to be the best deal. And sometimes you just got to fight for a better deal than you can get. Uh, avoid presumptions. Presumptions that one parent is more suitable for custody based on gender should be avoided. Each case should be evaluated on its own merits, taking into account the unique circumstances of each family. Here's the thing, fellas. In family law court, this is not set up and not structured for high conflict. It is structured to get through and get by, clear the docket. It's not a slam on anybody that's in the system. Um, it is a slam on how the system is structured. I guess it could be a slam on how the system's structured because the ones that have structured are the attorneys, and they're the ones that have set it up, and they're the ones that adjudicate it. They're the ones that are judges. So I guess uh, in a roundabout way, it is a slam on them, but this is just the way that it is. So... Um, you need to make sure that if you have a high conflict divorce that you are paying attention to the details because the court is not going to pay attention to the de details. It is one of the reasons that they just take full sale the uh, the uh, opinions of these quote unquote experts, therapists, CFI investigations, PREs, etc. If you come across one of these, and this is probably another episode uh, also that is, does not come out in your favor and you think it's completely biased and BS, then you need to fight it. I'm going to fight the one that I have, the one that's just come out that has been really incredibly poor. Um, now, I've, I've been fortunate, I guess. Uh, it's either, uh, it, it is either a commentary on my ex uh, or it is a commentary on the system. I'm not sure, but I've been fortunate to this point um, that my, most have been favorable. Uh, this one was not. And so I am going to fight it because it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, here's another thing that you can do to avoid gender bias. Use objective criteria, legal professionals, um, using objective criteria when evaluating each parent's fitness for custody. 
This can include the parent's ability to meet the child's psychological, emotional, and physiological needs, as well as the parent's involvement in child's life and relationship with the child. So, you know, again, fellas, when you're in, when you're going through this and dependent upon the structure that, um, that you have had in, uh, in your marriage, you, you may need to pivot and you may need to make some, um, some changes pretty quickly. You're going to be uh, judged upon how you can take care and how you can parent your child, your children in the future going forward. If you are working all the time and you have not been involved in your children's lives, then you need to stop and you need to get involved because you're going to have to do that as a as a single father in the future. And so if that means that you need to do that now and you need to stop working as much as you're working, then you're going to have to do that. I know it's hard. I know that there's challenges with doing that, but there's this is just the new reality of what it's going to be like because the court is going to want to see and going to want to know because if you don't, all that's going to happen is you're going to become a checkbook. And then you're not going to have the primary parenting time and you're just going to be working and you're not going to be spending time with your kids. And that is a detriment to your kiddos. So I don't have to tell you that the uh, the lifestyle that you have, the changes that are coming in your life are going to be completely different than what you're used to. It's just a basic math problem. One household to two households is more expensive. Two households running two different ways is much more disruptive and um, and and different than one household working together with two people. So it's just simple math. It's going to be a change. The sooner you make that change, the better off you're going to be. So um, so pivot. That's part of what we do here in the community. If you're involved with the with the group meetings or if you're in some individual coaching here, we're talking through how you can figure that out, how you can work through that, how you can start making these adjustments uh, now while you're going through it so that you set up and you structure yourself for the future to come. Because depending on how old your kids are, then that is going to be dependent. That's going to. You know, that's gonna that could be years and decades that you're gonna have to have this structure and you're gonna have to work towards it. So getting that done and working towards that sooner than later is best. Uh, monitor and review decisions. Okay, you should monitor and review custody decisions to ensure that they are not influenced by gender bias. This may entail examining the decision making procedure, evaluating the factors considered, and modifying the decision as necessary. What does this mean? This means exactly what I just said. If you got a poor result in one of these evaluations or from somebody, reevaluate it. Find out if there's a bias involved with it and make sure that you fight against this. It happens all the time. I hear about it almost daily. And, you know, it's it's just oftentimes we just say, oh, that must be right. You're not crazy. If you feel that is not accurate, fight against it. Um, the next uh, next way to avoid gender bias, uh, legislation and judicial guidance emphasize the importance of avoiding gender bias in child custody cases. Um, but the gender bias perception persists, and there have been instances in which gender bias has been alleged. Child custody gender bias proceedings can have serious repercussions for the children and the parents, and it may result in decisions that are not in the best interest, such as denying a child a meaningful relationship with one parent. Okay. Again, I'm just going to say, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. This is going to be just my final words is, it is a thing. The gender bias is a thing in family law court. The gender bias is a thing in our society, in our Western culture. 
in general. If you've watched the TV lately, if you've looked at ads lately, if you've watched some stupid movies that I'm not going to name that are that are, that are that are out there about kids' toys, there's a gender bias about what fathers do, men's involvement in their lives and in society, and you need to be paying attention to it because now it is impacting our children. And when it's impacting our children, it's being perpetuated onto the next generation. And if we want our children to grow up to be happy, healthy adults, have happy and healthy and functioning relationships where they're able to find a spouse, be good fathers, be good mothers, then we have to pay attention to this right now and we have to be involved in their lives. Again, I'll say it and I'll wrap it up with this. There are things that you provide to your children as a father that nobody else in the entire world can provide to them that are going to allow them to grow up to be healthy, happy, functioning adults. Take that to heart. I know that this is a difficult and challenging time, but you are strong enough and make sure to keep up that fight for yourself and for your children. Fellas, thanks so much for listening. I sincerely appreciate you being here. If you found some value, please share this far and wide on social media. Stop. Give us, we haven't had a, we haven't had a review in quite a long time on any of the uh, podcast platforms. So if you could stop and give us a review on the plot on the podcast platform that you're listening to, not only just a star rating, but a review that would be incredibly, incredibly helpful. The, re- the reviews help other dads to think about and consider listening to uh, our content. And if you if you found some value in it, you know that this is going to help them as well. So do that. Go to the Divorced Advocate community, become a member, contribute to our Patreon account, and let's continue to pay this forward and help more dads and more kids in the future. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week, and God bless. To hear the rest of this episode and access the corresponding resources, visit thedivorcedadvocate.com and become a member of our community. It's free to join and will provide you with the resources you deserve as a divorced or divorcing dad. Thank you for listening. God bless, and I'll talk with you next week.